Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. We're continuing on in our Liberated series uh, with the Sermon on the Plain. I'll be picking it up in Luke chapter 6, six reading verse 22 and 23. It will be on the screen, or you can, there should be a Bible in the pew. If you don't have a Bible, please take that as a gift from us to you. Picking up in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Say amen when you have it. Amen. And the word of God says, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Let's pray. Wonderful Savior and King, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. God, in worship today, I just felt your presence. God, you are so good. I love that we can come together as a family of faith and walk in these doors and with all the, the negativity in the world and we can stand here and be reminded that you are a great and amazing God and that you love your people. And so I pray, dear Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross, that you will use my words in whatever way you see fit, that you will produce fruit and you will transform our souls from your word and through the power of your spirit. Encourage our souls this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Man, you may be seated. Uh, listen, I love, those who know me know that I talk a lot about it, man. I love growing up in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I had to say 80s and 90s when I left out of my last sermon. They was like, you keep saying 80s. People going to think you a different age. So I listen, I, 80s and 90s. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and, and I enjoyed every minute. How many of y'all remember the 80s? I just love the 80s. Yeah, see, okay, we got enough. Yeah, see, my people. Yes, all right. Had a lot of young folks the last time. All right. Right. So, uh, man, in the 80s, didn't we have, like, the best of everything? Like, all the, like, we had the best TV shows. Yeah, we had the best cartoons, like He-Man and G.I. Joe. I mean, we had the best of, and we had the best music. We had the best movies. Um, and in my generation, we were known for scary movies. Uh, we had some of the most iconic scary movies and characters, like, uh, y'all remember Friday the 13th? Y'all remember that? Yeah, with Jason with the ski mask, and we used to have uh, Freddy Krueger with the bladed hands, and we had Chucky, we had Pinhead, we had all these, these things that we should not have been watching as children growing up. <laughs> and listen, growing up as a child, man, before you went to sleep, being a child, man, being afraid as a kid, it was just normal. Like, you always wanted to sleep with the lights on. Night lights were, were the rage back then, right? And, and uh, I mean, to this day, I still sleep with the lights on when I'm by myself. I'm being honest. I do. Yeah, Jason's not going to catch me slipping in my mind, no. Uh, and so, and so uh, but as I was thinking about this sermon, do you know what struck more fear in me growing up than Freddie and Jason and Chucky all put together? It was being rejected by a girl at school. 
Yeah, that was my greatest fear. Listen, there's no greater fear. I don't care who you are. It's no greater fear on planet Earth for a young adolescent boy than being rejected by the young lady you have a crush on. Uh, And I know this is still an issue because I have a son and we talk about it. Except for I told him, I said, bro, it it was different in my day. Like, y'all got it easy. I mean, y'all got social media. I mean, y'all get to slide in DMs, y'all get to snap somebody, y'all, y'all got everybody's number at y'all beckoning call, right? right? You, you, you get to check their profile and start a whole conversation. But see, back in my day, you had to have something called courage in my day, yeah. Yeah, see, in my day, if you wanted a young lady's number, you had to actually go up to her face to face, right? And you had to ask for it, and, and you had to do it in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, whether you're at the mall or on the playground or the lunchroom or even at our locker, uh, you had to have, you know, you had to have courage and, and it would take weeks of preparation, right? You would go in the mirror and you would practice everything you were going to say. Even your walk up, you had to practice because everybody was watching. You had to have confidence, right? So, so you had to act like you weren't scared, though you were terrified, right? And so you had to walk up with confidence. You know, you practice in the mirror, your little, little limp and all that, and you go over what you were going to say. Listen, it was a very stressful time as a kid, uh, having to try to muster up all your willpower. But then that day would come, right? And, and you would walk up to her with all her friends watching and all your friends watching. And you, you'd have to go through your spill. You'd you know, tell her how, how nice she looked and how beautiful her smile was. And, and you say, man, you know, I would love to take you out maybe for ice cream. And, and you say, you know, can I get your number? And listen to me. You don't know a pain to have, than to have that young lady look at you in amusement. And to start to chuckle and to tell you that you are too young for her, even though y'all the same age, both of y'all 14 years old. And she say, my boyfriend is 17 and he drives a car, right? It is, <laughs> it is devastating. Uh, and listen, I, uh, I, listen I, I know there's some men still here who have not healed from that moment. Do you want to? It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Uh, but seriously, church. I bring that up because of this. I don't care who you are. I don't care what age you are. Experiencing rejection is painful and it hurts. Yeah, whether it's rejection from your peers or or maybe it's from a family member, maybe it's from a job or from coworkers, it does not matter because no one wants to feel unwanted. And so what do we do? We spend our lives trying to avoid rejection at all costs. But this morning, I want to encourage you because I know someone who will never reject you. Yeah, this morning, I want to tell you about someone that I know who will not only never reject you, but he won't reject you for any of your flaws or any of your quirks or any of your sins or any of your failures. I know someone who will always be in your corner and whose love for you is unconditional, and his name is Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And Jesus, in our text, he's dealing with this issue of rejection and persecution. And he's speaking to the hearts of his people because he knows that they will soon experience a rejection like they never have before. And so he gives them three three encouragements that I believe we can learn from today. First thing he tells them, he gives them the reason for their rejection. Secondly, he tells them to rejoice in their reward. And then lastly, he says, remember the record. So he tells them the reason for the rejection. He tells them to rejoice in their reward. And then lastly, he tells them to remember the record. And so let's look at the reason for the rejection. Verse 22, it says, blessed are you when people hate you, 
and when they exclude you and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Now, I know I started out my sermon by saying that uh, most humans, over 90% of human beings, spend their lives trying to avoid rejection, but let's be honest, that number is no different for the church. Yeah, I know it gets quiet. I'm going to talk to people in the back because I know a leaf going to give me an amen back there. Listen, listen, let's be honest. All of us spend our lives trying to avoid rejection. And, and here's the reality. In the church, that number is no different. See, what has happened over time, especially in the U.S., is that in modern Christendom, we have started to accept and place this focus and value on this concept of being a Christian but still being able to fit in and be accepted by the world. Yeah. It's this reality that in modern Christendom, we have begun to champion this and almost affirm folks about being a Christian but still being able to fit in and be accepted by the world. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to demonize anyone or anything. I'm not even suggesting that we should go out and try to uh, make people not like us. Listen, the gospel is offensive enough. He doesn't need your help. (laughs) However, what I want to do is exactly what God does here. I want to prepare you because here's the reality. If you align yourself with Jesus, at some point this world will reject you. I'm sorry, we just have to, we have to, if you align yourself with Jesus, at some point this world will reject you. Listen, they may accept you now. They may even like you now. Heck, they like Jesus for a little while, but at some point things will turn. Yeah, their affirmations will turn to accusations. Yeah, those pleasant conversations that you enjoy could possibly turn to condemnation. Yeah, today they may request your presence at events and over their house, but at some point they might detest your presence. And now listen, this is not me being a Debbie Downer. No, this is exactly what Jesus is saying here. Notice that he assumes this for the believer. He says this in verse 22. He says, blessed are you when people hate you. Greek word for when is hotan. He didn't say blessed are you if they hate you. He didn't use the word might or perhaps or possibly. Believe me, God is fully understands a, a, a language. He knows how to communicate what he wants to communicate. He says when they hate you. Yeah, he was telling them. He's preparing them. He's letting them know, listen, the day is coming. What's coming? He actually gets pretty specific here. He says hate is coming. In the Greek, this means to strongly dislike, to have hostility towards, and to detest. And then in the Greek, it carries this actual... <laughs> It carries this thought, it actually says this, to spit on someone. Now let me, can I be transparent? I know I'm a pastor, but let me just be honest for a minute. When I read that part of the definition in the Greek, I was thinking in my mind, I wish somebody would spit on me. I mean, that has to be the nastiest thing you can do. That has to be one of the worst things you could do to somebody. I kept looking down at my hands and asking God. I said, God, are my hands that saved? I pray that they are. (laughs) But as soon as I started to think about how I would respond, I immediately thought about Jesus. Who for all of our sins, he was spit on. For all of our sins, he was beat. For all of our sins, he was whipped. For all of our sins, he was nailed to the cross. But the... Prophet Isaiah said, yet he opened not his mouth. And he became like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. See, Jesus was telling us, telling me and telling us to respond different to their hate. And here's the reality, church. If it happened to Jesus, it can happen to us. 
Next, Jesus said, not only will you be hated, but you will be excluded, which means in the Greek to remove someone, to no longer associate with. And then there's this strong emphasis that's being placed on having a previous relationship that existed. So he's not just speaking about someone that don't like you who's a stranger. He's not talking about someone who does not know you, right? That they, it's, it's a little easier to handle rejection and insults from people who do not know you. But he's speaking to being excluded by those who were once your friends, who once accepted you, who once loved to have you around. You know, eating and joking and laughing and, and maybe you cried, you shared a bond. But now this person despises you. And it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's not because you've cheated or lied to them. The only thing that has changed is that you have aligned yourself with Jesus. Well, let me get more specific. Or maybe there's something, there's a conversation that's happened and something has, something has come up in their lives and they're sharing it with you. And it's starting to just, it just doesn't sound right. You know what they're saying is, it's not right. It's going to uh, uh, be destructive in their lives. And so out of love, you tell them the truth. Yeah, you share with them what, they, what the Bible says you can do, what, that they should do. You stand up for what Jesus stands for, but now that you've told them the truth out of love, you're no longer welcome in the spaces you once occupied. You're no longer being invited to lunch by your coworkers. <laughs> you no longer receive an invitation to the get-togethers at your friend's house, though your Instagram, you see in the stories, they kicking it, right? So then you go, you go, you go, and you, you go to the group text, and it's like, maybe I missed it. You know, I, mean, I, must, I must have missed it, right? So you go to the group text, and you notice ain't been no messages in the group text in weeks. And what you realize is not that the group text is silent. They've just created another group text without you. Yeah. You've been excluded. Jesus tells us in the text, he says, prepare your hearts, beloved. And then he goes on to say, if that's not enough, he said, the world will also revile you. That means to disparage and to insult you. He said, revile you and spurn your name as evil. Spurn literally means to change people's thoughts about you, to drive out what they once thought about you and replace it with something worse. Listen, it's hurtful enough to have someone insult you, right? And stay saved, right? But it's a whole other thing for someone to make it their business to cause others to change their opinion about you. Yeah, to make accusations about your character, about your reputation, about your motives and your intentions. When every day you're just living your life trying to do what's right by people and do what's right before God but you're being labeled as evil and unloving and judgmental and intolerant. Or here's the one I like, he's switched up. Can we be honest again, church? In Christian, as a Christian in modern Christendom, as believers, we're terrified of being labeled. Oh, y'all don't like, that's okay. Alif, you hear me. We're terrified of being labeled. Yeah. Yeah, it, it literally causes spiritual paralysis. So much so, we, we often don't want to even tell people we're Christians because I know how they look at Christians, right? I don't want to tell somebody the truth because they're going to think I'm judgmental, right? They're going to think I'm judging them. I, I, I don't preach somebody the gospel because, man, I don't want to have to deal with sin and tell somebody about that part. And so Satan knows this. He uses these words like judgmental and intolerant and you've switched up. He uses these words to drive fear in our hearts and keep us bound. But 
this is why I love this text so much. Because Jesus tells us, he says, you're not really the issue. He says the reason you're being insulted and the reason why you're being hated and the reason why you're being excluded is not because they have a problem with you. It's really because they got a problem with me. Yeah, look at verse 22. He says, blessed are you when they hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. This is similar to what Jesus told his disciples before he was taken to be crucified. One of his last conversations with the disciples is found in John 15. And listen to what he says. He tells them, if the world hates you, just know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Yeah, church, he was saying, listen, they still want you around. They just don't want me around. So he said, that's why you're blessed. Huh? Yeah, he says, you're blessed. Because when they hate you and when they insult you and they reject you, their actions are just an affirmation that my work in you is being accomplished. Yeah, he's saying that their actions are actually an affirmation that when they see you, they see me. Yeah, because you don't look the way you once looked. You don't act the way you once acted. You, 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 you don't engage in the things you used to engage in, your lifestyle and your values. They're different. They've changed. This is what Paul was talking about in Galatians 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus was saying, the more you look like me, the more rejection will come your way. And so church, he was preparing them, and I want to prepare your hearts this morning. Listen, when you align yourself with Jesus, when you accept Christ, yes, I understand, yes, we get to go to heaven. We, I'll talk about it in a minute. We get to glorify the Lord, but there's a reality. It comes at a price. Yeah, it comes at a price. And I know, I know we hear sermons and we hear music and, and we, we've kind of created this thought like, like that when you become a Christian, it's all going to be high fives and, and lollipops, but that's not the reality. The more you look like Jesus, the more rejection will come your way. And so the question that I just want to pose to you this morning is, do we want to look like Jesus? Do we really want to look like in your reward. <laughs> Luke 22 says this, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Then he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Now, let me be honest with you. Um, when I read that, I'm like, I understand enduring things and, you know, still, yeah, God, I know I'm blessed. I know I look like you. I, I, I get that. And I, here's the reality about my Christianity. I've learned God already know what I'm thinking anyway. And he's big enough to handle my questions. And so I'm just not one of those pastors who just act like everything in the Bible don't make me. I'm like, ah. So I asked God. I said, God, I, I just don't understand because being uh, uh, facing persecution and being hated on, like it's difficult, it's hard, it's painful. So, yes, I can get through it. And, but the reality is it doesn't invoke in me rejoicing. It doesn't make me leap for joy. Yippee, no. Like it does not do that. And so I said, God, why would you say this? And me and God talked like this. God said to me, he said, well, Kyle, you're, you're a sports guy, right? I said, yes, Lord. 
said, well, <laughs> in sports, when do you see people rejoice and jump for joy? I said, good question, God. Hmm. And as I started to think and ponder, this is what I responded. I said, God, I typically see people rejoice and jump for joy in sports when they win the championship. And he said, well, Kyle, how did they get to that moment? Yeah. Where they raise the trophy in the air. He said, how did they get there? <laughs> I said, man. So I thought about it. I said, God, well, they endured some things. Yeah, they endured some losses. They endured some failures. They endured some injuries, tough situations, ridicule, adversity. And then I've begun to think of, of some of the things that I've heard great athletes say. I thought about Jimmy V, one of the greatest coaches, God rest his soul. He said, failure and rejection are only the first step to succeeding. Kobe Bryant, late great Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, he said, every negative pressure and challenge, they are all opportunities for me to rise. Michael Jordan, you guys know the quote. He said, I've missed over 9,000 shots, over 300 games. I I've lost over 300 games. I've missed 26 game-winning shots. He said, I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Late great Muhammad Ali said, suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Tom Patrick Brady, many think that he is the greatest qu uh, quarterback of all times. I think not, but he's still a good guy. <laughs> Can't cheat and be a good, anyway. Uh, but he says, he said this. He said, in life, the biggest challenges end up being the best things that ever happen in your life. Man. And so as I started to sit back and I'm thinking about these athletes, I'm thinking about the things that they've said and what I've watched, I noticed something. And I said this to God. I said, listen, God, these great athletes have their eyes so fixated on the prize that it causes them to have a different perspective on adversity and hardship along the way. Yeah, I said, God, they, they have their eyes so focused on that trophy and standing on that stage that it, calls, it literally causes a, a surgery to happen in their mind so that they can look at adversity and hardship and they, do, they look at it in a different way. And so, church, what I believe God was saying was that if we could fixate our eyes on Jesus... Yeah, if we could set our eyes on what's to come, if we could keep our eyes on the prize, that we won't look at adversity and rejection in the same way we used to. <laughs> yeah, we'll no longer look at it with sorrow. We'll no longer look at it with tears. We'll no longer look at it with a woe is me attitude, but we can look at it and go through it just like those athletes. We can rejoice. We can say, thank you, Jesus, anyway. We can worship the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says, follow in the steps of Jesus. Yeah, the root word to rejoice is joy. The writer of Hebrews literally said, this is what got Jesus through the cross. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says this. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. <laughs> then God said one more thing to me. He said, Kyle, do you know the biggest difference between you and those great athletes? I said, yes, Lord. Skill. <laughs> and he chuckled just like you. <laughs> no, he said there's a greater difference. He said the difference between you and those athletes is they welcome their hardship with only the hope of winning in the end. Hmm. He said they welcome adversity with only a slight chance of securing the championship. 
He said they experienced pain day in and day out, dreaming of the possibility of one day hosting that trophy in the end. He said, but Kyle, my church don't have to hope. (laughs) He said, my church don't have to wish and wonder. Church, you don't have to try to figure out what are the chances if you will win in the end. Because if you have Jesus, then you have already won. And God says you won't have a trophy that will, that will wither and that will rust. No, the Bible says that you will receive a crown. 2 Timothy 4, 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. With the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Church, if you have Jesus, your victory is guaranteed. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes further to encourage our souls. Don't miss it. He says it in verse 23 at the end. Verse 22 says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil. On account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. And then here it is. He said, for so their fathers did to the prophets. He said, for so their fathers did to the prophets. See, Jesus here is telling us to remember the record. Yeah, to remember the record of his people, of his prophets. <laughs> yeah, and what they accomplished for his sake. Yeah, Jesus was telling, is telling us here to remember what the prophets and my people, and here's the reality. I don't know if you know much about the prophets, but their lives weren't pristine. <laughs> they were not perfect people. They were flawed and broken just like me and you. But they accomplished much for his name and much for his kingdom. See, when Jesus is speaking, they didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. The Old Testament was just the written old record of the undeniable impact that God's people have had throughout the world. Church, have you ever paused and just started to consider consider and ponder and to think about all the things that God did with his people and his prophets throughout history? I mean, God has saved millions all the way up to your soul. He used them to transform people and nations and cultures. And you're talking about facing rejection. They stood against kings, against armies, against leaders, against the powers that be, all under the threat of losing their lives. And we worry about someone calling us a name. Yet they changed the world. See, I believe God was saying, listen, My prophets were called to their time, and you, you were called to this time. But church, you today, listen, they did what God called them to do there. My question is, are we going to do what God has called us to do today? You're called to this time. You see, the Bible was not written so God could look back and remember all the wonderful things he has done. No, it was written so that we could look back and remember all the amazing things he can do with broken, jacked up people like us. And here's the reality. This ain't new to him. He's been doing it for centuries. Made me think about this great orator when I was growing up. A great orator of his time. I used to listen to him all the time. Uh, His name was Little John. And um, he had some some, uh, apprentices called the Eastside Boys. And um, (laughs) Little John had this song back in the day. He had this song back in the day that had a chorus, and it just repeated a question over and over again. And the name of the song in the chorus was, Who You With? Yeah, 
Who you with, who you with, who you with, get crunk, who you with. Y'all remember the song? Y'all remember? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, for those who have no clue what I just said, it's okay. It's all right. If I put that in proper English, he was asking, who are you with? <laughs> yes, okay. I see, see. Oh, okay. Yes, that's it. Yeah, just compacted, you know. So he said, who are you with? And church, that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. <laughs> yeah, listen. The next time you face rejection, the next time somebody calls you a name, the next time you're facing persecution, I want you just to remember who you with. Because <laughs> when I'm down, I remember I'm with the prophet Moses. The prophet Moses who faced persecution from the king and from his own people, but God used him to deliver those same people to the promised land. See, when I'm down, I remember that, I was with, that I'm with Joseph who was persecuted by his own brothers and was cast into prison for righteousness' sake, but God used him to save an entire nation. Yeah, when I'm down, I remember that I'm with the prophet Isaiah who was under captivity and faced persecution, but in spite of all that, he still proclaimed the coming Messiah and brought hope to his people. Church, if you're here this morning and you're down, I want you to remember that you're with Elijah who was despised and persecuted, but he still told the people to repent and turn back to God. Yeah, if you're here this morning and you're down, I want you to remember that you're with Samuel who was rejected by many, with Nehemiah who was oppressed by and defamed. You're with Amos who was uh, rejected by the leaders of the church, Micaiah who stood against 400 false prophets, Zechariah who was stoned, Uriah who was arrested and killed but stood up for God and against his kingdom. And if that isn't enough to lift your spirits, then just remember that you are with Jesus. God in the flesh, who came to set the captive free, being nailed to the cross of Calvary, who died and resurrected for our sins. He, he loosed the chains that had us bound, and now he has all power in his hand, and he's offering freedom and salvation to anyone who would believe. This is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. He was trying to get us to remember... Well, little John said, who we with? He, said, he says this in, in Hebrews 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, which clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. As I begin to end here, church, I just want to encourage you this morning. Yeah, we might not face persecution like they do overseas, but one day it may come here. The persecution might look different for you. Rejection might look different for you. But here's the reality. Yes, the world will reject us, but we will always be accepted by Jesus. And so if this is you this morning, I would just ask that you draw close to him, that you will let him heal all of your wounds, and that you will remember that there is a crown awaiting you when you get to heaven. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Precious Savior, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God that blesses and encourages our souls. Thank you for saving us, Lord. If there's someone here that does not know you, I pray that what I said doesn't strike more fear. But they can hear my words. That the word of God also tells us that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. That you are our refuge and our strength. And dear Lord, that you love us. 
You gave your all for us. And that one day we will stand with you in glory. And we'll be able to proclaim, holy, holy, holy is our God. Thank you for giving us hard texts, but also not leaving us with bad news. <laughs> Thank you for the good news of the gospel that saves our souls. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.